Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 67 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast and we're just speeding forward. I'm your host Deepa, functional nutritionist, yogini and author and today I'm speaking with my dear friend and colleague Amanda Malachewski. Amanda is a systems thinker, certified functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner and certified integrative nutrition health coach with a passion for helping people get beyond their digestive symptoms to their true solutions. After conventional medicine and her own diet and supplement experiments failed to help her complex digestive and hormonal symptoms, Amanda became an ardent student of functional nutrition and functional medicine. Amanda works one-on-one with private clients to help them go from confused by their guts to having easy and calm digestion so they can live a full life. She's also the host of the Confluence Nutrition YouTube channel. Today we're speaking about histamine and sleep. What is histamine intolerance? How does it work? What are some of the symptoms that you could have if you're histamine intolerant? How does histamine impact your sleep? What are the tests? Are there any tests? And what can you do if you have histamine intolerance? Take a listen to the episode filled with protocols. And if you missed episode number 66 of the guided sleep meditation with me, the sleep whisperer, take a listen. It's the safe haven in the mountains meditation and it's specially curated for restoring safety and trust if you have had trauma or adverse childhood experiences. If you struggle to feel safe anywhere, this is a guided visualization to restore the image of a beautiful safe space, improve how grounded you feel and bring back feelings of self-trust. I'm also going to ask you to take a moment and leave the show a review and know the downloads are increasing every month and it would mean the world to me if you took that one moment to do this for me. Take a listen to the episode. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Amanda, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. And uh, of course, we've been planning this for a while. You're an esteemed colleague of mine, a friend. So it's always exciting to have conversations with other colleagues and Uh, It just seems to flow in so many directions when we are together. And you have quite a bit of focus on gut health. And I remember this right from the very first time that I came across your work. And how did the gut health 
specialization happen? Did you struggle yourself with gut challenges? And as you know, there's so much focus today on um, gut being the center of so every all challenges and symptoms. And of course, today we are diving into histamine specifically. Histamine is something that is very close to my heart. I myself am histamine intolerant. Uh, and there's so many intersections with histamine and it's not just in terms of skin as people might perceive. So I would like us to go into histamine in as much detail as we can possibly, but why gut health? Why that focus? Do you feel that, did you feel drawn to it or how did that come about? Uh, excellent question, yes. Um... Well, I would say that, yes, to your question um, about how did I get into this, uh, I myself had gut challenges as well. And, you know, back in 2014 or so, I had, I had been having some flares periodically before that, but around the time that I weaned my son and I, um, my, and then my best friend died right around the same time just the confluence of those two major, you know, this hormonal event with this major stress event, my gut went crazy. And I just had a lot of digestive challenges in the day-to-day, month-to-month, week-to-week. I was just really, really struggling with that. Um, and so my arrival as a practitioner has everything to do with that because I went looking for answers. I went looking for support and help. And I, had a very difficult time finding the support that I needed to feel better and eventually found my way to the world of functional nutrition and the tools that I found there were what finally enabled me to, you know, understand exactly what was going on with me, um, how I could use the ordinary tools of diet and lifestyle to at least minimize my symptoms and get my, you know, the frequency of my flares reduced or under control and, um, and in the process of that, I learned so much that I wanted to, of course, share my knowledge and skill now with other people who are now in the shoes that I was back then, you know, kind of looking around for answers, not really knowing what was going on and getting totally lost in the weeds. So, and you mentioned, that's why gut health. and you mentioned the confluence, I'm assuming that's how the name of your practice came about as well. So did you have challenges with histamine? What made you um, become so knowledgeable about histamine? Yeah, so in my process of trying to figure out which thing was the problem, there were a, a number of things um, that came up. And the main diagnosis I received was that I have endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having a surgery to work on that. But the GI stuff that was going on um, was manifesting as a lot of food sensitivities. And in my various experiments, one of the things that I learned was that I was sensitive to certain um, histamine foods. I'm not extremely sensitive to all high histamine foods, but, um, but it was definitely one of the uh, therapeutic diets that helped me get some traction with my symptoms. And when I learned about it, the concept just made a lot of sense. And I felt like, oh, this is a, a light bulb moment for me that this can be a problem. So 
yes, that's where we mm. got there. Okay, that makes sense because I think a lot of times what we also see uh, in people who don't seek out practitioner at times, they um, Google and then they decide that my symptoms look like this or my symptoms look like that. And sometimes it's a little bit more fine tuning than that. And then they run into some problems because they've implemented something perhaps without understanding where they might need to have caution because as we know those therapeutic diets themselves have certain deficiencies they might induce. They're not meant to be done forever, maybe they need to keep moving between them. So sometimes I have seen people run into problems just because they've implemented something without full knowledge of it. And uh, that can be risky as well. Uh, what is histamine intolerance? So you hear a lot about it and people are always researching and telling me that but I read somewhere that histamine intolerance is actually this and you need this supplement, X supplement you need to, but this is a, X is a histamine food. Why is it not a histamine food? Why are you listing that out? And I think before we jump into the conversation, I must mention that even in the world of histamine intolerance, there is bioindividuality. It's not as simple as all these foods are in the X and all these foods are in the Y. I think it does play out a little individually for everybody. So what exactly is histamine intolerance? Yeah, yeah. so histamine is a neurotransmitter and a chemical that our bodies normally produce, both in our gut and in other areas of the body. And so it plays a role in brain function and also gut function. And um, so our body normally produces it, but it's also present in certain foods and beverages. And um, histamine intolerance is when you have a difficult time breaking down that histamine. And we, maybe we'll get into some of those reasons in a second, but um, for some people at some moments in time, they may not have the, their bodies may not be able to break down enough histamine to keep up with it. I always talk about histamine, like a bucket, like our body can kind of tolerate a certain, you know, the same amount flowing in as flowing out. But if we overload the bucket, it overflows mm. and then spills everywhere. So um, the trick with histamine intolerance is to like reduce the amount of histamine that's flowing into that bucket so that our, our body can keep up or we can support it in keeping up as well. Does that answer that question for you? It does perfectly. In fact, I just recall someone telling me two weeks ago that uh, she had been fine for eight months and then she suddenly said, I don't know why, but my headaches are bad and I had a headache for four weeks. And then uh, she sent over her tracker and the last one week, Practically, I could tick off every histamine high food. And it was just, I explained the same thing to her that you just overloaded your histamine bucket and mm -hmm. it just body's gone a bit haywire. Okay, so what exactly would be symptoms of histamine intolerance? Because I think there is a lot of misconception because many people related to only a itchy nose, runny nose, skin rashes. And I know that it is deeply connected to sleep issues as well. So could you describe different symptoms for us? 
Of course. Yes. So certainly itchy, runny nose or throat or ears are the traditional histamine symptoms that a lot of people get from exposure to pollen or environmental irritants, um, you know, sort of allergies, but we would think of that in the hives and skin itching as well. But there are, you're right, there's a lot of other um, symptoms that can come along with food sources of histamine and histamine, the histamine intolerance. So these include things like um, skin flushing. So just like not even a rash, but like, especially in this um, sort of chest and throat area that, or the face, like the skin turning red, um, we can get heart palpitations or anxiety mm. or depression. So sort of mental health issues that can look like, um, you know, those kinds of symptoms can turn up just from an overload on histamine, brain fog, fatigue, insomnia, like you mentioned, is certainly um, something I see with a histamine intolerance clients. And then, of, and then there's this huge level of GI symptoms. So there's like, um, you know, diarrhea, pain and bloating, um, sometimes reflux and GERD can be a reflection of a histamine problem. So that kind of stuff. And then there's also, you know, like you mentioned headaches, um, this client who had headaches, that can be an issue. And also um, circulatory issues like blood pressure changes can happen like kind of suddenly if somebody really feels, if their body really feels overwhelmed with histamine. Mm, beautiful. And you listed that out so beautifully because that's another thing that a lot of women come across is this, I don't know why my anxiety is creeping back. And some of them are actually on antidepressants or Medicaid, SSRI for anxiety for they've been on that for over a year and then suddenly they realize you pull out the histamine foods temporarily and then the anxiety is gone and then when they start overloading that bucket like you mentioned then suddenly they find that they don't know why but the anxiety is creeping back and it's so remarkable Amanda that uh People go, can go into such micro research of histamine, but I found that sometimes the gap is not one. The problem is that they're getting information from so many places and some of them are contradicting each other and then they get confused. And the second problem comes um, because they've got all this information, but the actual implementing overwhelms them. So they say that, I mean, it feels like it's crippling that I need to do this long term. And then you need to just explain that maybe you don't need to do this long term, this is a therapeutic diet. So there is so many areas that really trip up people who are not so into the health space. Uh, but you yeah. mentioned insomnia, and I would like you to go a little bit deeper into it, obviously, because we are on the sleep show. And um, why does histamine affect sleep? Is it bidirectional? Because I know when I had my worst histamine flares, for me, it would look like unbearable articaria so my entire body would have these big swollen red patches which would ooze water and it would burn my skin and I just couldn't fall asleep and then of course for years they pumped me full of steroids and I still tell my husband I wish I had this information 20 years ago which I didn't and I went through all that but anyway it brought me to where I am but 
why sleep and histamine and do both affect each other? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you touched on it there. Um, certainly if your skin is covered in a rash and you're really itchy, it's just difficult to sleep when you're really uncomfortable or having allergies of any kind. Um, <clears throat> and that uh, physical experience that your body's having is a stress response partly. So there's, you know, the, the histamine, the itchiness and the, um, or the other symptoms are, are, you know, can kind of ramp up a feeling of distress. Right. And there's sometimes when it's really flaring, there's this feeling of like, how bad is this going to get? Like how much longer is this going to go on? Is it going to calm down before it's a really huge problem? Right. Um, but then I think also the, the sort of heart palpitations, anxiety mm. piece yes. can also, you know, a lot of people who struggle with sleep are also struggling with a busy brain, obsessive thoughts, or just not being able to calm down. And histamine can really play a role in that if there's too much, or, or basically not necessarily if there's too much, but if there's an intolerance to it and there's at the same time too much. Um, and, and also with the GI symptoms, I find that for myself, when I, you know, occasionally I do still have GI flares, they're mostly under control, but usually when that happens, um, the first thing I notice is that my gut is messed up at night while I'm trying to sleep. Mm. It's like, um, and I, my brain, my guts misbehaving and my brain has this very weird um, almost nightmare quality, mm. you know, like I'll sort of be awake, but I'm having this experience of, of nightmares or like repetitive visions that won't stop. Or, you know, I, I feel kind of bad, but I'm half asleep. So I don't really realize that my body's feeling bad. Um, and, and then when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> then I notice that I don't feel well and I'll have, you know, my flare will kind of play out over a few, you know, that like, the next six hours, I'm like, oh, all that poor sleep last night. And those night nightmare visions and dreams were actually about this histamine flare. It actually happened really clearly to me last summer. I was um, camping with my family and someone brought this delicious smoked fish, this um, <laughs> smoked salmon. And earlier that day, I had eaten a ton of fresh fruit because it was really hot where we were staying. And and then I ate a whole bunch of this fish and then it was overnight. My brain was just having a really weird experience. And I woke up the next day and just felt bad for, you know, until three the next day. So, um, I think, you know, the, the gut is such a huge player in how our brains feel and how we feel overall. So any disturbance there at all is going to really affect how we feel, how we think, um, and, I, yeah, I think that, you know, histamine flares are, um, they're definitely bi-directional. And so like when the, when the histamine flare is like acting up in my gut, it really affects my brain and my sleep. And you described that beautifully, Amanda, because I think so many people go through this. It's almost as if you're in a, I describe it as a bad part of Alice in Wonderland. You really feel like you're in some bizarre <laughs> space with these, uh, you know, you don't know, are you awake? Are you asleep? It plays out so uncomfortably. And um, what I've noticed, and I tell my husband the next day that, 
it the whole world my world look like a scary place when that histamine is so elevated every little concern that's in my mind amplifies and magnifies in that space in the night where suddenly it's not just a simple problem that i just need to think into but suddenly it's this scary thing that is overwhelming me and making me feel really uncomfortable and you just described that so perfectly um so i know that this is a question that probably may have um, various parts to the answer given this area in the world that you are in but are there tests that can confirm histamine intolerance it's um not really <laughs> the, the simple answer is not really um there is a, a test for whole blood histamine, which I haven't really used before in clinical practice. And I don't really even know, you know, how closely it correlates with histamine intolerance. Really the best tool to evaluate whether or not histamine intolerance is present is to trial a low histamine diet for a couple of weeks, look for symptom improvement there, and then test various foods that you removed um, to check for a reaction. That's like the very best. And then you could also add to that trial the use of um, uh, a supplement called DAO, diamine oxidase. It's an enzyme that helps break down histamine. So, you know, if you, if you take a, you know, eat a low histamine diet and you test this enzyme at the same time and you get a miraculous relief of your symptoms, that's a pretty good indicator that histamine is the problem. Um, there can be other things going on besides the food and, you know, lack of this enzyme. Some people just make less of the enzyme than other people. So, um, you know, supplying that to the body can help, but, um, yeah, there can be other underlying reasons that might not be resolved just with that part, but that should at least give you some amount of relief, at least enough of a signal to decide that yes, this is, uh, you know, this is, we're on the right track, basically. For sure. And I think um, that's, it's good you clarified that. Uh, but I must, of course, ask you about, uh, you mentioned that if the low histamine diet gives you relief, then you know you're in the right direction. What, how would someone even know that they were histamine intolerant? Um, I mean, of course, you describe the symptoms, but when someone were to research by themselves, would there be other areas that look exactly like histamine intolerance where they might um, put themselves on a low histamine diet and not get relief? Right. Yeah. So I think one of the most common ones is uh, just a general IBSD. So like a diarrheal type IBS might be confusing. And, you know, there can be lots of different underlying causes for that besides just histamine. It might be a FODMAP intolerance or just a plain gluten intolerance or, you know, stress can be a major player in that scenario. Um, so IBSD is one that kind of looks similar. Also hyperthyroidism mm. is, you know, cause, can cause heart palpitations, anxiety, mm. um, diarrhea, and, you know, insomnia. So that, you know, that's kind of a collection of symptoms that mimics histamine intolerance, um, but is not histamine intolerance. Um, 
Let's see. What else? I mean, you know, because we work with the diet and lifestyle piece, um, you know, the tools that we have to work with are the diet and lifestyle habit changes supplements. So we start there. And like, I'm sure you've discussed with other guests on the podcast, we clear the muddy waters first, and then see what remains to be dealt with after that. And so, you know, we, we work into this and try and determine what's going on. And we don't always get the answers right away, but we just keep working that process to try and identify what information we're missing and what we're not noticing or seeing. So actually something I want to, you know, what else can actually really, it, it can actually just aggravate a histamine problem is, um, is probiotic supplementation or mm. probiotic foods. You know, a lot of people read about how probiotic foods are amazing and I should be eating lots of sauerkraut or I need to take probiotics. And absolutely, yes, they are excellent foods. They are excellent um, supplements to, you know, work into your diet for health. But some people are, if you're having a, if you're having a histamine sensitivity, those supplements and foods will probably aggravate things. And so like, I have a new client that I just was uh, reviewing their food diary and their, their diet doesn't really show any particular histamine foods as a problem, but they're having all these symptoms that look like histamine. And, you know, I'm still not sure exactly what's going on there, but, but I did note that they're taking three different kinds of probiotics. And so, you know, as a first uh, step in trying to assess whether or not that's the issue, I'm going to request of them to remove the probiotics for a week and see what happens. Um, and that's so, so perfect. And you also explain how unique every person is because there's this universal belief that probiotics are the magic bullet. And if we, I see a lot of recommendations, of course, we ourselves use them therapeutically, but what would you do in this case if you ask someone who's system, if you suspect has histamine intolerance and you remove probiotics, what would your next step be in terms of helping their gut? If, if it turns out that the if they are, are part of the problem. Yes. Yeah. Well, often what's happening there, not always, but often what's happening there is that there's some kind of underlying infection that's... Mm you know, the, there's an infectious agent that's also producing excess histamine. So, um, and in this case, actually the person's been uh, diagnosed with SIBO and they're working through treatment of that. So, you know, that's a player and that's a factor here. And so sometimes we have to clear some of those muddy waters with infections to get to the point where we can rehab the gut. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, this is a case where I might bring in that DAO enzyme hmm. um, to see if we can get some relief there. And some of the other um, nutrients that, you know, vitamin B6 and magnesium can help with processing histamine as well. So, you know, that's a case where I might, you know, see if we can get this stabilized and get the flares and the brain fog and all the anxiety and all these symptoms that are just kind of like this per person is living in this soup of you know, daily, you know, feeling tired, feeling brain foggy, can't think straight, you know, and then anxiety about all those symptoms. 
um, can we get some stability there by taking away the, the probiotic, you know, can, thinking that the probiotic might be the trigger, can we remove that trigger just to calm things down, give the body some support to, you know, get to a more balanced place. And then we see where we get from there. Maybe we work on removing infections and simultaneously supporting just the digestive system with, um, you know, things like enzymes or the stomach acid piece that we talked about, not apple cider vinegar or lemon juice though, because they're both high histamine. Yes, <laughs> I was you know, just, that's the case. Yes, I was just asking that. Yeah, that's the case where I, I move right to the betaine hydrochloride as an option for people to, to see if they can tolerate that. Um, and so I I, on that note, Amanda, I must stop you for a second, because what would your thoughts be for introducing betaine in someone who's histamine intolerant, but who's plant-based? Because there's a lot of information on how plant-based people don't need betaine. And um, I don't know what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, gosh, I, I feel like plant-based, uh, people who are eating a plant-based diet typically are deficient in stomach acid. And, um, and then, you know, they're eating less vitamin B12 and we, and they need that stomach acid to absorb whatever B12 they are eating. So, I mean, I think, is there some argument about the source of the betaine? No, just, no, just I think that people who are eating plant-based betaine can be too much that they don't need betaine, the level of betaine, because they're not eating animal proteins. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, as with everything, and I'm sure you say this with your clients as well, we want to start very low and, and titrate up. So yeah, maybe a whole capsule is too much, or we need to find a betaine product that has a much lower dose mm. for a vegetarian or vegan client. Beautiful. Who, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, because it's, it can be a little intense on the throat. It's something I like to have people use as a capsule yeah. or a tablet rather than a powder or a liquid. Yes. Um, so, you know, that would be a case where we want to find a low dose capsule. Um, so we would start with the very small amount and just, and, you know, maybe people don't even need to use it at every meal. Mm. If they might just need it once a day or I don't know, you know, or every okay. other day, even like, this is the, the game, like where in that spectrum yes. do we need to help our clients find? Perfect, themselves? Amanda. And I think that I appreciate you sharing this because I feel as if you clarified doubts in my mind and you're the gut expert. So I've got, I've learned so much from you, but just talk mm -hmm. us through before we come to the end of the show that if someone you know for sure is histamine intolerant and they're really struggling with sleep issues, what would be your general guideline for beginning to work with them? And how would you advise them walking their way forward away from this space of discomfort and overwhelm? Yeah, well, you know, it's actually a really interesting question because my answer is evolving <laughs> right now. <laughs> but I think um, it's a little bit of an unexpected answer. But I think my, my initial the, the thing I would recommend first is to address balancing out the nervous system and hear me out here for a second. 
about this. Um, you know, histamine is a problem of reactivity to these inputs from food or sometimes the environment. And that reactivity reflects itself in our immune system. It's like our immune system is over responding to these ordinary compounds in our food or our environment. And especially, you know, when histamine intolerance goes really haywire and goes really crazy at the other extreme, we have something called um, MCAS, right? Mast cell activation syndrome. Mm. And people with this challenge have like histamine intolerance to the extreme and, but they're also just reactive to everything. Right. Um, and, and not to say that these challenges are all in someone's head. I do not mean to say that at all, but that the immune system is primed and ready and waiting. It's mm. sort of like the immune system is sitting there just like waiting for any slight little trigger to react and go crazy. And so um, something that I'm bringing into my work right now is the use of brain balancing meditation recordings that mm. can help reestablish a less reactive immune system. And it's kind of counterintuitive and it's, you know, it's, it's not as sexy or exciting as pills and supplements or, you know, special diets. And those do have a, absolutely have a role, but I, the very first thing I'm recommending for people right now is to like get absolutely committed as a non-negotiable to working on this part. Um, and it, it really can calm things down a lot. Um, just at the forefront. So, so that's like one routine that I really strongly and, recommend people invite. And I'm so happy to hear you say that, Amanda, because I really think that we speak, we read, we watch so much about stress and needing to have practices to regulate that. And I really think that people are actually not prioritizing that enough. Uh, and I found that people who they've done so much, they've done really restrictive diets, they've done so many protocols, but they're still struggling with some strong symptoms. And usually they're the ones who are hyper stressed. They're not focusing on the stress piece. They don't think it's important enough. And I've actually heard people saying, I think it's a waste of my time. I can't sit doing nothing. And then you have to explain your not doing nothing and it's right. such a profound part and so I'm really thrilled to hear you say that it's not as sexy as pills and protocols because that is the common misconception out there that it's the therapeutic diets the fancy lab testing the and of course there's a place for all of them I totally hear you so you put that perfectly and I'm happy to hear you say that <laughs> Yeah, I know. We want to do something, right? I mean, we're having this problem. It's really frustrating and we want to do something, but sometimes the doing something requires just resting and bringing our body into, you know, what you and I would call the rest and digest phase where yes. we can accept something new, try something. I mean, I think we have to set our bodies and our nervous systems up for even trying something new. So that's the very first thing that I'm inviting my clients to handle right now. And then, you know, we touched on the low histamine diet as the next step 
to really can't, you know, you know, apply that principle for two to three weeks and see if we can make a difference. And if so, then we have a pretty good indicator that that's the right track. And if you don't respond how you expected, then maybe histamine isn't really the challenge that you're looking at. And there's another tree to look, to bark up, right? Or another stone uh -huh. to turn there. Um, and if it turns out that histamine is the challenge, then um, certainly a period of time of restricting uh, histamine foods. But after an initial period of restriction, then you do wanna work to re-diversify your diet I do find that typically there's not, it's not, people usually aren't sensitive to every single food on that list. It's mm. usually a handful of them for whatever reason. For me, you know, I can eat avocado. I can't mm. eat a lot, but I can eat some. I can eat a little fish. I, you know, I can eat some high histamine foods, but some of them are not tolerable. Um, I agree. It, you know, like yeah. I react pretty strongly to citrus fruits. So you know, the lemon juice, I can occasionally have a little of that, but I have to be careful eating grapefruits or oranges or lemons and limes. So, you know, I, just getting specific on, you know, what do I really need to avoid in the long term, and what's maybe, maybe I can tolerate in a small amount or infrequently, or maybe it doesn't bother me at all. And I can just be fine with that. So, um, you know, it's so important to not have a restrictive diet for a super long time. Um, and then some of the, you know, supplements can also be of a benefit. And, you know, like we talked about the DAO enzyme, magnesium, vitamin B6 are really important players in the scenario. And, and then, you know, at the end of all that, if there happens to be some kind of microbiome disturbance underneath the histamine problem, frequently it's parasites. Parasites are one of the more common cause underlying causes or a bacterial overgrowth, like those need to be handled. And then you invite a practitioner who can help you with that onto your team, like a naturopath, a functional medicine doctor, or even a conventional MD who can help with that project um, and work alongside you. So that would kind of be the, the step-by-step. Perfect, Amanda. I think you really broke it down beautifully. And I really appreciate your time. But before I let you go, I must ask you our two questions. Which first is that there's so many people struggling with sleep. And in the last year that I've been focused on sleep, I've been watching the sleep space and noticing that, of course, sleep practitioners specifically don't there are very few of them who focus on the diet piece, which is very unusual. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all focusing on circadian rhythm, light therapy. So focusing in the area of sleep and using diet is a very unusual area. Um, but what I must say is that there are millions of people struggling with diagnosed sleep disorders and maybe there are plenty more who are not diagnosed but they're just staying silent because I personally know people who just for the last 10 years they've been popping a sleeping pill at night and going to sleep and ignoring even the need to dig deeper which is quite alarming to me because or, that or has even I I've had clients who tell me, I just take antihistamines every night. I've taken Benadryl yes, for 10 years yes, to go to sleep. Yes, mm -hmm. and you know, and one of the things that I just um, interviewed Dr. Ramakrishnan who lives in India and he's a 
global sleep expert. And this is exactly what he described. And he said that uh, taking a medication that has another intention, for example, the cough syrup is not created for sleep and using that um, to create the side effect that it induces is very, very dangerous. And it's really alarming trend. And I'm so glad you mentioned that as well. But what do you think is your, what do you perceive as the biggest reason for growing sleep challenges because they've grown substantially in the last decade? Um, I would say... I think blood sugar problems are a big one. Um, and people, you know, eating too late at night or eating junk, not, you know, feeding their bodies appropriate nutrition so that they can fast overnight without uh, getting really hungry, their body waking up in the middle of the night and then punching them with this um, cortisol spike yes. to like, you're hungry, get up, go eat something is what your body's telling you. So that's one thing. I think stress is a really huge one too, just the kind of stress we're under in the modern world, but also our computerized life where we're sitting looking at screens and we're plugged in all the time to our screens and our Wi-Fi. Um, and then I had another thought just a second ago, but I think I might've lost it now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't remember now. Um, yeah. But I'm glad so, you I, mentioned the blood sugar because I really think in the sleep space, importance is not given to these aspects. And um, we do need to be looking at that's a huge reason. So I'm happy to hear you say that. Yeah, I think that um, especially, you know, a lot of people will drink alcohol in the evening to kind yes. of wind down from their day. And, you know, it's just really relaxing to have a beer, have a glass of wine. Um, and that, you know, before you've even had your dinner and then, you know, your body's also processing that. And then the liver is a little overburdened come 3am. And, and it seems like that's when people wake up is 3am yes. and they can't, can't go back to sleep. Yes. So, um, and that's also alcohol is also a histamine food or yes. beverage. Yes. Yes. Of beverage, course. So. Uh, and Amanda, I want you to complete our show mantra. If sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete it for us? Well, I, I hope I do this right because I thought about it. I said the question ahead of time. <laughs> but, um, if sleep is the new medicine, then anything is fixable. Oh, love it. And I must um, also confess that because you're a colleague and friend, I shared this with you, but normally I spring it as a surprise on my guests. <laughs> um, but where can people find you, Amanda? I know Confluence Nutrition, but would you just like to direct people to the right space and just spell it yeah. out? Yeah, well, I have uh, I have a YouTube channel, which is just my business name, Confluence Nutrition. And I have, I think at this time, over 60 videos over there with lots of great information. So that's a really easy place for people to go. And then um, currently, um, if people want to learn more about working with me, they can go to confluencenutrition.com forward slash contact. That's the page where you can find out um, which kinds of people I'm scheduling with for and for what reason. So um, if anyone wants to learn more, they can go there. Perfect. Thank you for your time, Amanda. And I, and I think our conversation just literally, I didn't realize 45 minutes going by. 
Uh, it was a beautiful conversation, very, very sensible, very uh, giving all sides of um, the information, which is very useful to people. And um, maybe sometime we'll have you back to talk a little bit more about gut infections, because that is also a big space, which uh, there's a lot of misconception and confusion out there. So I would love to have you back. But thank you for being on the Sleep Whisperer podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Deepa. It was my pleasure. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Conditions.